Now, we know we had two games with the Las Vegas Aces, one that officially counted, one that did not, and, of course, one yet to come. But we want to talk about fatigue and if and how that impacted the New York Liberty over this past week. But then the bright spot, which is MJ23. And so we have a very special guest, Jackie Powell, a Marine Johannes expert to talk about it all on today's episode of Gotta Get Up. Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. And welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. My name is Erica L. Ayala. I am your host, and I am joined with Jackie Powell, my old colleague and dear friend. And we are here to talk about the New York Liberty. Jackie, how are you today? I am well, Erica. Thank you for having me on. I'm honored, and I am always down to talk some MJ. Let's do it. I'm really excited. We're going to really get into a good chunk and break down your film analysis about Maureen Johannes coming up later on the show. And we are also just going to briefly touch on the Commissioner's Cup and certainly the game against Las Vegas and the game against Phoenix, both on the road for the New York Liberty. But before we do that, I have to drop this little nugget for folks who may not know, because Gotta Get Up, this is actually the second iteration. Uh, we And you were one of the first ever uh, guests on Gotta Get Up. That, that did not come to pass, and that was all on me as I was still learning things. But I'm so grateful that you agreed to come back on to the show. And, uh, you know, I think if if you are a New York Liberty fan, you obviously know Jackie's work. And if you don't know Jackie, you will soon find out why I think she is appointment reading for New York Liberty fans and certainly WNBA fans. But Jackie, let's get into it. We're going to just start with the Commissioner's Cup. Now, got to get up listeners and viewers would have seen our very long preview episode, but very detailed preview episode with Brian Florentin and Misha Jones. But then also I did a live show previewing the matchup between the New York Liberty and the Aces right before the regular season matchup. But since we haven't gotten your thoughts on the Commissioner Cup, Jonquil Jones... MVP, the New York Liberty get some hardware back to Brooklyn, and Maureen Johannes, early hero for the New York Liberty. Let's get your thoughts on the Commissioner's Cup win for New York. I mean, that was a huge win for the Liberty. It was very much so a statement win. It told people what happened in Barclays Center wasn't a fluke. It was they can commit to a defensive game plan and they can make an opponent feel pretty uncomfortable. And it also showed that, okay, the Liberty's bench is getting there. And this has been something that we have, a lot of us um, in the, the media sphere have been very adamant uh, in talking to Sandy Brondello about this bench. And the Liberty came into the season with a very talented bench on paper. But as we got into the season, we would sort of see a drop-off when the bench would come in. And so the question was, why is this happening? And 
the reason it was happening, I mean, there were many reasons, but a big reason it was happening was because, okay, the starting five was brand new. And the coaching staff, they allocated a lot of that time to getting the starting five to establish their chemistry. I mean, if you look at the minutes that the starting five played with one another before the All-Star game, there was not a lineup that came close on the Liberty to the minutes the starting five was getting. And so I remember talking to Sandy Brondello post-All-Star, and she said, okay, the first half was about getting the starters comfortable with one another. Now we really need to work on these combinations, and we need to get our bench really comfortable and mix them in. So this this victory, it was saying, okay, that mixing in, mixing in the lineups during practice, it is showing that they're moving in the right direction here. Yeah, you mentioned so many great nuggets. And again, that was something that you and I talked about when I was recently in New York um, at practice and stuff. But the New York Liberty, they get this win 82-63 over the Las Vegas Aces. And their biggest lead, the New York Liberty, was 20 to the biggest lead for the Aces in the Commissioner's Cup game was seven points. Five lead changes overall, but the bench points, as you mentioned, Jackie, 28 for the New York Liberty and eight overall for the Las Vegas Aces. It's You're hard-pressed to talk about the New York Liberty bench without talking about one player who we've already established we're going to talk about a lot. So we're going to maybe reserve a little bit of the conversation on Marine from the Commissioner's Cup for later when we start really breaking down her game. But what can you say, Jackie, then, about Kayla Thornton and her impact against the Aces in the Commissioner's Cup? Oh, man, Kayla Thornton. Um, and you know what? I really think when you talk about fatigue, I think she was someone who really felt it in that second game because she just, she, I guess, um, used so much energy and passion and grit in that first game. She sort of ran out of gas two days later and you could really see it. And that was really what caused that little tussle between her and, and Asia that has gone viral because that's sort of how Kayla plays. Kayla's aggressive, but since she she had less energy, she sort of was making some uncharacteristic mistakes, being, you know, fouling a little bit more than she usually does. But in that first game, I mean, 50-50 balls. It was Kayla Thornton. I want did she was that the game where she had seven rebounds? Seven of the Liberty. Uh, she had four, four in that commissioner's cup game okay. for the New York Liberty, three defensive rebounds, two assists. And of course, um, had the eight points for the New York Liberty. But I think you're right. It was a lot of the things that, you know, that's a humble score line, I'd say, certainly for someone of the caliber of Kayla Thornton. But it was some of the things, and I talk about it a lot in hockey. Brian and I have talked about this, that it's a very hockey saying, but I think it really applies to every sport. Coaches a lot of times will talk about players, whether explicitly or not, um, in how they're able to make the right play at the right time. And more often than not, that's exactly what you get 
from Kayla Thornton. It's not necessarily the flashy play. It might not be the three-point dagger in the corner. It might not be um, taking the charge, although obviously she's capable of all of those things. And all of those things in the flow of a game will stand out. But it is more of the things that happen behind the play, setting a good screen, uh, cutting and slashing, um, being available and reading how the defense is gravitating towards her opponent or her teammates, excuse me, and then being able to find and sneak a spot in the corner or elsewhere under the basket to have that outlet um, and to, to be that emergency valve for the New York Liberty. But since you mentioned it, and and it was a big question that I had regarding going into the second game against the Las Vegas Aces in as many days. One was the Commissioner's Cup money on the line. The next one was important. And everyone, I think, in WNBA, hashtag WNBA Twitter, was trying to figure out, were we going to get another blowout? Were we going to get another lopsided game or were we finally going to get a little bit closer to what a lot of people, I don't know, maybe if in, um, anticipate is the right word, but certainly hope for, which is a battle, just a battle royale between the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. I think the last two games were a little bit closer, well, in score for sure, but also a little bit closer to kind of that tight game. But ultimately, the aces were able to pull away triple-double from Chelsea Gray, who went absolutely bonkers. 22 points, 11 assists, 11 rebounds, and obviously took some exception to a last minute three point shot from the New York Liberty in the commissioner's cup. But for me, what I saw in this game was a aces team that was maybe um, a little bit sick and tired <laughs> of not showing up and playing aces basketball. Now, whether that had to do specifically with them playing the New York Liberty or not, that's a question really for the aces. But I think they just got tired of having to answer to Asia Wilson, perhaps quote unquote underperforming, the defense not showing up, questions to Becky Hammond about the bench and bench usage, which we saw was drastically different for the aces in the regular season game than it was in the last two games, Commissioner's Cup included, versus the New York Liberty. Bench points in that it was overall an 88-75 win for the aces in the regular season game, which gives them a two to one game advantage regular season um, in in the head-to-head for the series. So at best, now that the Liberty can do is split this series with the Aces when Las Vegas comes to New York later this month. But that's what the Aces brought, including 11 points to the New York Liberty's 10. So that speaks a little bit to the fatigue, and you hit on that with Kayla Thornton. But a question that Brian and I have mulled over a time or two on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, is this. Some of what we saw, 40-point games, 35-plus minutes from Stewie, we wondered if that would have an impact down the road. Now, Brianna Stewart, on the as the hockey saying goes, on the right side of 30, I am not, for anyone wondering. Um, but anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> Stewie is on quote unquote the right side of 30. Um, and you know, is a player that we have seen just play at an elite level. We have also seen she's a player that has dealt with injuries, particularly the Achilles injury. So Jackie, I want to ask this question of you first broadly, and then we'll come to the last few games for the Liberty. Was there ever a time where just the mental workload, the physical workload, or the emotional workload that Stewie had early on while, as you said, the starters were still getting together, while JJ was still coming together. Was there ever a time where, was it ever something that you noticed and wondered if and how it would impact Stewie and the Liberty down down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, it's, there was a game that she played against, I want to say, the Atlanta Dream. Um, earlier in the season where her, her, I think she made one field goal, but she still had a double digit uh, scoring output. I mean, there's a crazy stat from ESPN stats and info where they say she has scored in double figures for, I mean, she has this crazy streak going. I could look up the tweet, um, but she has not scored in single digits in a very, very long time. And so that game in particular, it was really interesting because you sort of saw her think, okay, the shot isn't going, I need to do something else. And so it was interesting to sort of see her in the first half of the season shift that gear and be like, okay, I am going to block the crap out of some of these shots in the paint. And... So that I thought was was an interesting growth point for Stewie. Um, and I even during the Indiana Fever 40 point barrage, I was sort of thinking, well, you know, is this team, this team is much more developed than they were in, in the first half of the season. Is there, well, actually about that Indiana Fever game, I think you saw a change from Stewie. Because, as you know, she scored the majority of those points in the first half. And you could say, oh, yeah, you know, Indiana adapted. But also, I think Stewie was more aware of, hey, like, I'm going to attract a lot of attention. This gives me a great opportunity to get people involved. And more people are going to be open because the defense is going to be paying attention to me. And so, yeah, she hit 40. But she hit 40 in a much more selfless way in, in the second half. Mm-hmm. And I think with mm-hmm. Dewey, and this was a note that I took, for her, it's not a matter of selfishness. It's a matter of having the, um, I, I guess, the, um, the, the brain power to not be an autopilot. Yes. Because when she's an autopilot, yes. it's sort of like, okay, all right. We need something. I'm going to go get it for us. But when she's, when she has a little bit more energy and she's able to use this, um, she's not as fatigued and she's able to, to really think and make quick decisions and say, okay, we got to get everyone involved. We got to take advantage of this. That's when the Liberty are at their best. When Stewie is a top level decision maker on the team. Because when she makes the right pass or when she sets the right type of screen, some pretty mm-hmm. things happen on the New York Liberty side. And I really appreciate you saying that because, again, and I, I teed up very 
particularly to say emotionally, mentally, physically, because I think you're right. We've had this conversation in private multiple times over the years about the type of player that Tina Charles is, or even a Diana Taurasi. And those are players that, or you know what? Better example is how I've described Jonquil Jones. Jonquil Jones, sometimes when she's physically exhausted, then you start to see the decision-making um, slip a little bit. I've talked about this on the podcast. It's certainly gotten better over the years. I think she is her most mature version of JJ with this New York Liberty squad, which we love. But we, you know, that's when sometimes the fouls start adding up. That became a problem in the second game against the Vegas Aces. And that's not Stewie's game per se. The fatigue doesn't show itself in her getting just silly fouls. I don't know that I have ever used that term to describe Stewie, but sometimes what you do see is the shot selection going by the wayside. And I do think that happened in the second game against the Las Vegas Aces. So just to go back, the first game, Stewie dropped 13 points. She had 17 rebounds in the Commissioner's Cup win against the Aces on Tuesday. She was also a plus 15 I mean, John Cole Jones, a plus 20, Sludy, a plus 20, Thornton, uh, who we talked about earlier, a plus 17. So that's, to me, plus minus is one of those that, I mean, it, it can be a little difficult to quantify that. But I do think if we're talking about sharpness, that could be an indicator. Then if we go to Thursday's regular season matchup, so this is after the Commissioner's Cup, Stewie a minus 11. She did drop 13 points. It was not a pretty 13. <laughs> I think we can say that. Four blocks, to your point, of trying to shift. I think there was a point where she tried to shift her game. Shots weren't falling. And... um you know, she was three for 15 from the floor field goals. Um, and you, so you started to see with the blocks, the rebound seven, seven is, is okay. I think a little, maybe a touch on the low side for Stewie um, and four assists. So you see that she's trying to impact things elsewhere, but the fatigue showed for me physically, it was a physical manifestation. The shot Again, the shot selection, more of a mental thing. But, I mean, Stewie was letting that thing fly, and it was hitting, I mean, everything but the bottom of the net, <laughs> it felt like, at times. Um, but I don't think she was the only player that was experiencing some fatigue. And I was questioning, um, you know, Benajelani and why. I mean, 17 points in that second game against the Aces. She was a minus two. But I think Benaj's fatigue is understandable, but also sometimes can be a little bit of a liability because of how much she's asked to do defensively. And I do think that the Aces were able to make adjustments and expose some of the players that were fatigued. Another thing that I mentioned on social media is um, coming into the champion, we were just talking about the NWSL, so now I use the wrong term, talking about the Commissioner's Cup. I said before these next two games against the Aces, Steph Dolson could be a player to watch that could have an impact one way or another on the New York Liberty's fate because a lot of people were asking how much do the aces miss Candace Parker? And I thought it was an interesting question, but I didn't think Jackie that we were really expecting to see uh, Candace Parker 
in the Commissioner's Cup game or really even in these next regular season games against the Aces. What we did know, though, Jackie, and you and I were there speaking to Steph Dolson, is that she was coming back. Um, and she was quite honest about there being some nerves coming back and having to, in the middle of the season, against an opponent that everyone is thinking could be their their matchup should they make the finals. She now, with a sh in short order, has to get game fit. It's one thing to be healthy as far as able to play, and then there's game fitness. And I think in the second game, the regular season game, the game fitness of Steph Dolson came into some question. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think I want to go back to Benajah if we can, because quickly before we sure. return to Steph. We mentioned the no Chelsea worries. Gray triple-double. Okay, Chelsea Gray was on a mission. Chelsea Gray played brilliantly. If Benajah Laney was at her most fresh, would Chelsea Gray still get that triple-double? I don't know. Mm. I do not know. And so Chelsea Gray was able to exploit that a little bit because Benajah, when Benajah is rested and ready to go, she is a nightmare for Chelsea Gray, an absolute nightmare. And so I think that was a huge, an absolutely huge part of it. And so when you look and you're like, okay, Benajah defensively is you know, is not at her best. And Sandy goes to the bench and, okay, we got to get Steph in there. We have to get Steph comfortable. It's tough to put Steph in against the Aces when she's going up against Asia, a, a, a post player who's a little bit more athletic than she is, even when Steph is at her best. And that's sort of what you saw. Yep. Asia completely exploited that, which, fair. I mean, this, this is a battle. This is a team exploiting another team. And, you know, I will say for the MJ moments, the positive MJ moments in the second game, they were very much so facilitated by Steph. Um, even when mm -hmm. Steph is not at her, um, I guess, height, or I guess um, when she's at her most fit game speed wise, or when she's at her most ready. Sorry, I was having a tough time yep. getting my words, but... You know, she still knows how to screen. She still can give an incredible Steph Dolson screen. Correct. And I love that you mentioned that because this, I want us to be explicitly clear. We are talking about a difference between being game fit 30 games into a 40 game season um, versus being game fit early in the season. And what does that mean? You have to absorb contact everybody's moving much quicker. The ball's moving much quicker than it did in the first weeks of the season. And so to have Steph plopped in around this time of the season and against the Aces, the top team in the league, that was a high mark to reach oh, yeah. for any player. And I love what you said because it wasn't Steph Dolson not doing the things that we know she's great at. But I think what we also saw is that the Aces maybe, uh, I don't know, listen to this podcast. I don't know. Probably not. But <laughs> but what we saw is that things were made more difficult when Steph Dolson had to come in. And also remember, JJ had some foul trouble. 
But things were made more difficult for Steph Dolson, who's getting back to that true game speed because the aces were connecting from deep and they were stretching a a, a post player who, again, is just a, 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 just a touch slower than her most elite level because of coming back from injury. And those things, maybe if it was August 6th, or July, what was it, 29th, or excuse me, um, uh, June 29th when they played. I don't know if that would have made such a profound impact, but it just so happened that it did in this game. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Aces, I think they also targeted JJ as well. I mean, they sort of saw, they were like, okay, um, part of how Asia is you know, not able to do Asia Wilson things is because John Quill Jones is playing like an all defensive player that we know she is. And so the counter is, okay, how do we get John Quill Jones off the floor? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And they did so effectively. She was three for five uh, from, from the floor, uh, one of two. So she was shooting efficiently, but her minutes had to go down. She was at 24 minutes in that second game and seven points, or excuse me, eight points, uh, a plus seven, excuse me. So just a, a shell, uh, nowhere near those 15 rebounds. And again, that's where the fatigue level with a player like John Quell Jones, again, Stewie is an interesting case study because you see the fatigue, but then she she shows up in different ways, um, but I think overall, the the New York Liberty were a step behind. That was not their best performance against the Aces. It wasn't, I wouldn't say drastically far off. And you know, I haven't listened to a Tarika Foster Brasby. So I I pick on Tarika every once in a while on the show, Jackie, just because I know she can take it, and also I think it bothers her just a little bit. So we have this nice little ribbing that we have going on. I, you know, I think Tarika maybe backtracked a little on her apology to the New York Liberty, <laughs> which I, I understand. I understand um, from her perspective. And as someone who's watching this team, they were off. Um, and there's nothing in my mind. Say again? So Sabrina, amid all of the shoe issues, Sabrina sort of her shot thinking yeah. was what kept them in it. That's true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because Sabrina, yeah, shoe gate notwithstanding, <laughs> Sabrina has found a level of consistency that's almost sneaky here, right? So she had 22 points in that second game against Vegas, but she had to work hard, Jackie, yeah. to find her shot. Because the Aces, and we've talked about it on the show before, I know you know this, but any team, it's a two-headed dog for the New York Liberty in most people's eyes. And they're going to try to, if they can, contain both Brianna Stewart and Sabrina Ionescu. That being said, Sabrina is finding ways to to find the gear that Stewie has had for a long time, which is if they're taking this away from me, then I'm going to crush it here. And, and, you know, I say finding that, and maybe I should reframe that. She's finding that what that looks like for her in the WNBA, mm -hmm. because she showed us that 
in college. I mean, that's why a lot of people point to her triple doubles because of that, right? We know that she can be effective in all three categories, rebounding, scoring, and assists. So if you're going to take away something from, from Sab, you have to figure out what's more important. Do you want the ball in her hand? Do you want her on the wing shooting? Do you, are you going to leave her to, to collect um, and, and just kind of, you know, offense, if you're on, if an opponent is on offense, Sabrina will find space and she will find rebounds either for herself or for her team, which I love underrated skill. I could go off for days on that alone. I want to go to the Phoenix game. Uh, we're going to go to the Phoenix game because some of that fatigue we saw early in the Phoenix game, but we didn't see later in the Phoenix game. And what I liked about that Jackie is that it shows me and we've seen this from this New York Liberty team even early, but it shows me that the Liberty do know how to tap into even on the road when they're experiencing some fatigue and, you know, they're in a position that they quite honestly don't want to be in. They know how to battle back. And that was the biggest takeaway for me from the Phoenix game, which was ultimately an 85-63 win. But Phoenix, there were five lead changes overall. And got to get up. Listeners know that I, I love showing our um, our lead tracker here. And you can see that this was a team the New York Liberty, that is, that had to battle against Phoenix early on, exposing some things that they quite honestly just weren't doing well. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it, I, I think I noticed in the first half that Liberty players were slipping on the ground. Like they didn't have their footing. And I think Stone mm. slipped once, Sabrina slipped once. I'm trying to think, there were maybe three or four instances where these players were slipping on the floor because they just, they didn't have their feet underneath them. Yeah, lots of front rims, also missed layups. Over Courtney Vandersloot. Courtney Vandersloot, even in that second Vegas game, the regular season game, you know, it was almost like I wanted her to get whatever that stuff that the kid from, uh, what was it, Little Giants had because the ball just was slipping through her hands, Yeah, um, which is very uncharacteristic. And I think that's how the fatigue showed up for Vandersloot. But, but so, you know, it wasn't pretty and it was like okay you know those concerns i was as i'm watching i'm like okay you know those fatigue concerns might be real but then they flipped a switch so for you jackie what was the difference in the phoenix game i mean the difference was maureen johannes she only played i think it was 14 minutes in that second uh game against vegas she had a little bit more juice in her to give i also think that Benajah Laney, so the starting five, they looked a little lost in the beginning, but for Benajah Laney to dig as deep as she did and for her to sort of just turn it on in the third quarter, I mean, that was, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but also <laughs> the Liberty Guards were, were feeding her. They were like, mm-hmm. They're, the Phoenix yes. backcourt cannot handle Benajah in the post. And they were just like, oh, okay, we're just going to let right. her work. 
And it was just, it was a sight to behold. It was very much so reminiscent of the 2021 Benigelini. But to be quite honest, I like yeah. 2023 Benigelini better because it allows her to be a two-way. <laughs> um, 2021B, yes. she was over, she was being overused offensively, which is a whole other discussion. But, um, well, and and that's what was necessitated. But you know, now you have other players who can stretch the defense, mm-hmm. um, and effectively, I think honestly has led to the Liberty helping or facilitating um, Benajia to really find what is her clutch mid range or, you know, corner perimeter shot. Oh, yeah. That's a great point as well. I mean, Phoenix were trying to run the Liberty off the perimeter, which defensively, from a simple perspective, that makes sense. And so it's like, okay, you do that with Benajia. She has a very nice mid-range, too. And so she was like, mm, okay, very nice. all right, I'm just going to take this. I usually don't get a lot of these because this 2023 Liberty team plays to the percentages, but she's like, okay, I'm open. Boom. We might have to come back to this a little bit, but it gets us to what will be our last big nugget. And what a lot of people have been questioning, especially given the um, 17 points in the commissioner's cup, which was electric. Uh, Then what was it? Another 18, right? Reaching her season high. 18 points against Phoenix, Jackie, do we need to, A, give Maureen Johannes more minutes? And if we do, because I would say yes, but if we give her more minutes, is the one, can she right now take more minutes as the floor general, the point guard for this New York Liberty squad? Oh, that's fascinating because... I think Sandy, there was a press conference where Sandy was sitting on the podium with Maureen and Sandy was sort of like, yeah, you know, Maureen isn't very comfortable at the one. She is much more comfortable facilitating from the two or even the three spot. Um, Something that was really interesting about the past couple of games is that Sandy was deploying the three guard lineup that when the New York Liberty signed Courtney Vandersloot, the idea that went off in my head was, oh my God, this is the supercharged version of what they had in 2022, where you, where Sandy was playing lineups, where you had Crystal Dangerfield, Maureen Johannes, and Sabrina Ionescu. And what happened as a result of that? The ball was literally popping from side to side. It, it was just, it was something to behold. And you're like, hmm, okay. But what was a little surprising was that up until this past week, that three-guard lineup was not working and as a result wasn't being used a ton. And so I, I said to myself, I said, well, why? And then I thought, oh, it's because Crystal Dangerfield was a little bit more deferential to Maureen and Sabrina. We move into what the dynamic with Courtney Vandersloot what happens? Maureen becomes a bit deferential to Courtney Vandersloot and Sabrina. And so what happens there is it's this, Sandy Brandello talks about it all the time. Maureen has to be aggressive and she has to be herself. And so that it's sort of a twofold. Yes, it's about that. Yes, it's about Maureen 
being deferential to both Courtney Vandersloot and Brianna Stewart um, because they are players with uh, quite high stature in not just the WNBA, but in the women's basketball world. There was some some nerves, some like, oh my gosh, if I screw up and if I'm myself and sometimes, you know, I make some passes that maybe turn into turnovers, are they going to be mad? You know, th th those were the types of thoughts that I happen to believe were translating into what you saw on the floor. And so that was part of it. And then the other part of it was that Marine's teammates, teammates that were not Sabrina, or Benajah, who have played with her before, or Steph, I mean, duh, about Steph. They didn't really know, one, where Maureen likes the ball, and two, yes, they didn't know how she sort of gets the ball and how she moves and were able to play off of how she moves. Maureen moves yeah. in a very specific way. And so... You have those two issues at play and you throw into the equation the fact that the New York Liberty were practicing not in combinations, but as starters and bench. And when you do that, yes. you don't allow for role changes to occur. Okay, Maureen is the head of the snake with the bench unit, but that's not what's going to happen when she's mixed in with Sloot and Sabrina and Stewie. And, and JJ, really. Yeah. And then you throw into the fact that, you know, without Steph Dolson, you were missing some really good screening. And so Liberty players like Kayla Thornton and Brianna Stewart, they had to, and Sandy Brandello mentioned, she mentioned, yeah, there were a couple of days where we had to get back to the fundamentals a little bit. She noted mm -hmm. that that was on the defensive end, but... And this is something I will ask her yes. when I can. Were those fundamentals also about screening angles? Because there was a game against the Minnesota Lynx that this was one of those, that was the JJ is just going to rebound the heck out of the ball and they're going to win the game game. Um, I saw all of these clips where Maureen was just put into these really difficult situations where she had no space to create. And I was, I was like, why does this keep happening? And I was like, okay, yeah, Steph creates great screens, but Kayla Thornton and Stewie, I mean, those are good players. They should be able to screen too. I was noticing that the screening angles were just, they weren't creating a lot of resistance at all. I'm not saying that you have to be Steph Dolson in the resistance that you create, but you have to be able to create some. And so in that Minnesota yeah. game, I wasn't seeing it. But this week, this week, Kayla Thornton and Brianna Stewart were setting screens that were effective. They were setting screens on different angles. They were setting screens that were able to get resistance on the players that were chasing Maureen Johannes around. She doesn't need a ton, a ton of space because she can create herself, but she needs just a little so she has an edge on her defender. And I saw it. This is fantastic. I love that you brought that up because I'm shaking my head because Steph Dolson is an elite screener in this league. I, I you know, that's just a fact and has been for a long time. 
the screens that Steph Dolson sets, there's a part of me that feels like it's almost being um, officiated out of the game. And the consequence of that sometimes is what you're talking about. I think, why would that make a difference for a player like Marine Johannes? And you kind of alluded to it. And this is where I want to get a little bit deeper in. So why would that spacing? Because we know that Marine Johannes, very similarly to Sabrina Ionescu, um, Diana Taurasi, right? These elite scorers that have a quick release. Marine Johannes has a quick release. We know that she will shoot. They call her the magician for a reason, right? Between passing and shooting, she's going to let that thing fly, as Katie Smith would say. But so then with a player that can be that dynamic, Jackie, what is it about Marine's game then that you think when we get back to the screens and why maybe the Liberty have focused on that? Why would that make a difference for Marine Johannes comparative to Sabrina Ionescu or quite honestly, even Courtney Vandersloot? I'm curious to get your answer because I, I think I know what my answer would be, but I want to start with you. Why do you think it makes a difference, the screens that are set for Marine versus other guards on the Liberty? To be continued. There's a lot going on, Jackie. So we're just going to have to have you back, but I really appreciate you walking us into the reporting that you've done on Marine Johannes. And so that leaves me uh, to ask you this, how can New York Liberty fans and just women's basketball fans keep up with what you have going on, Jackie? Yeah, so you can find me, I like to say the interwebs now because there's, you know, uh, X formerly so many as Twitter, there's threads, there's Instagram. I have the same handle everywhere. It's at classic and then J-Pow, so J and then P-O-W, the, like the first uh, syllable of my last name with the, the first letter of my first name. And I, I write things in, in many places. I write a lot at the next hoops about the New York Liberty in particular. Um, there's, I've written in Slam, I've written in SI, may have some stuff in Yahoo coming up, we will see. Um, and I host the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast uh, once every two weeks. So there's a cool episode I did with Michelle Smith about the history of WNBA rivalries. Check that out because there is a lot of New York Liberty, Las Vegas Aces discussion where we sort of get into how does this rivalry get from point A to point B, from budding ooh to yes, this is a rivalry. So that's my little promo there. There you go. All of the things. We'll make sure to have all of the links for for Jackie's work in the show notes or at minimum where you can find her on the interwebs. Well, Jackie, thank you for this. We were able to get through a lot, including a conversation on Marine Johannes, which we also broke up in case you don't want to listen to the entire episode, which why wouldn't you? But if you're here for all things MJ23, don't worry. We've got an episode slash video video upload for you. But for Jackie Powell and for Brian Florentin, who's on vacation, so I wanted to give him a little bit of a rest, let him enjoy his time away. Uh, My name is Erica L. Ayala. I am your host right here of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media, where we empower Black women and melanated creators in sports media. 
but cr truly we empower all people that unfortunately have been underrepresented in sports media. So we're glad to have you with us for another week. It's going to be a rust week for the New York Liberty. Um, you know, the, the schedule is a little light for them, but we talked about fatigue. So I'm very curious to see how they come out the gate for uh, the, the back end of, of this week, the, the back end of August, which again is going to lead to another head to head with the Las Vegas Aces, where the New York Liberty will look to even up the regular season series. But I was like, we're seeing two teams rise to the top, three teams can't no disrespect CT, um, but um, but the middle of the pack, right? The middle of the pack. We've seen people claw for like six, seven, eight, but like four through six, oof, gonna be a dogfight. I'm ready for it. Well, Jackie, we're gonna have to have you back on again uh, to talk New York Liberty, and I hope I get to see you around the beat sooner rather than later. But thanks so much for joining us on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. Coming up on part two of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans featuring Jackie Powell. Marines future with Team France ahead of the 2024 Olympics. What impact from the from the research that you've done, um, and can you walk us through that a little bit? But in what ways do you think what has happened um, with the national team maybe has impacted a little bit of what we see with Marine now? I mean, I think it was a pretty pretty noticeable impact. 